The rate of change for business and technology is unrelenting, and it's only going to get faster. It's forcing businesses to work harder than ever to remain relevant. In this podcast, we sit down with industry leaders to discuss what they're doing to keep pace with digital transformation and ultimately hug the curve of technology. You're listening to Hug the Curve. Here's your host, Steve Neesmith. Hello, my name is Steve Neesman, and you're listening to our Hug the Curve podcast. The rate of change for business and technology today is unbelievable. It's never moved this fast before, and it'll never move this slowly again. It's, forces, it's forcing businesses to work smarter, not necessarily harder, than ever to remain relevant. In this podcast, we sit down with industry leaders to discuss what they are doing to keep pace with digital transformation and ultimately hug the curve of technology. And today my guest is Brian Gray, President and CEO of the Revenue Path Group. Brian, thank you so much for being our guest today. Hey Steve, my pleasure, thanks for having me. So tell our audience a little bit about Revenue Path Group and what your organization does for companies. You bet, Um, the Revenue Path Group, we're really revenue accelerators that we really look for and work with CEOs whose number one priority is to stay relevant and vital. And and knowing that, as you mentioned in the introduction, that the rate of change is accelerating so quickly, uh, when we talk about remaining relevant and vital, that's a legitimate question, that's a legitimate concern. And we believe that the biggest challenge organizations face today is becoming a commodity in their prospects' eyes. And what's making it worse for them, that decision-making teams keep getting bigger, and their salespeople are being ignored until the very end of the buying journey. And not only is this happening today, we call it that race to the bottom, it's only accelerating. And we've actually seen one of the biggest disruptions in sales over the last six months, and it will never go back. And what we believe, Steve, is that sales teams are unprepared and ill-equipped to compete in today's world. And I think that's the real challenge. So we all see accelerations happening. To your point, it's, it's work. we have to work much smarter and much differently because we're not gonna go back. And I think that's the real the real challenge and threat that, that our folks are seeing. That's interesting, Brian. Tell us more what you mean by race to the bottom and this commoditization. What's happening to companies, their sales force, and what's the threat that you see to their revenue? Yeah, well, yeah, I invite uh, margin to the equation as well. I think that not only is a revenue problem, it's going to be a margin problem. The, the idea of commoditization, when you really think about it, it's a complete absence of value. There's nothing unique to you compared to what can be procured from a myriad of other firms. And when organizations have reached that point where they're perceived to be a commodity, they really lose any kind of margin growth opportunities. And this is, um, I, I, I don't wanna say it's unavoidable, but it's been accelerating for some time based on you know, the internet bringing more and more information to the table. I mean, you know, Steve, I think you and I are old enough to remember the days when we um, worked before the internet, right? When, yeah. when sales teams existed uh, because they were information distributors and they would spend their time traipsing around, you know, who knows wherever, uh, trying to educate uh, prospects on what's going on in the marketplace and why they should be chosen. This is, I mean, it's funny to think about, but this was just 20, 30 years ago. So having a lot of salespeople out there communicating was was important. And what happened was you earned favor because 
there weren't that many buyers on the committee. It was just one or two people. And you put the effort in. You worked hard. You showed up on time. You, you had all those great habits. And they really didn't look around. Now, 70% of the buying journey is done before they even invite you in. They framed up what they want, and now it's just a matter of who can do it for the lowest price. So that's just another roundabout way of getting back to commoditization. So when you lose uh, any kind of pricing pressure or margin opportunities, um, commoditization is that first step in that slippery slope to what you know irrelevance for that matter. Right. So again, thank you for first of all reminding me of my age. Thank you for that, <laughs> Brian. And then you know when we talk about this commodity hell, so to speak. You know, that's part of the challenge that businesses have today. But are there other things that besides this commoditization, I call it commodity hell, forgive my words. What other pressures and challenges are customers facing? Yeah, I think that the trends we're seeing is um, is organizations are really having to understand their higher ground. I call it finding higher ground. And because one of the things about uh, commoditization, while I say it's an, it doesn't have to be an inevitability, I do believe that this race to the bottom is going to continue. And, and it's very gonna be hard to stop this. But what you can do is you can position yourself uh, to a higher level within that organization. So we're seeing organizations struggling uh, to find their real impact. How can I become a, more of a priority to my prospect and not be frozen or expenses? Uh, we're, we're holding on expenses. We're not going to do anything right now because we have fewer resources now to spend and it's only going to go to those that can really connect to the highest priority. So I think that's one issue is, is how do you connect your real impact to your prospect's top priorities from the CEO all the way through the organization? And I think the, another, uh, the next struggle is how do you move faster in a friction-free world where your salespeople tend to, believe it or not, slow things down and they end up confusing the prospects. So we've got three things. We've got the fact that you need to find that higher ground. How do we start reframing our value in a way that brings our margin back? How do we really focus on our prospects' real, true priorities? Because we all know that priorities always get acted on and priorities are rooted in the threats I'm facing as an individual. And how do we move faster in a world that can keep me, not, not just keep me, but get me to the curve in the first place, but keep me there. Brian, you bring up a really interesting point to me. You talked a little bit about, I'll call it the psychology of your buyer, if you will. Can you inform our audience some of the research that's out there about how you address the business problem of a customer and how do you not, quote unquote, just sell it, but how do you really understand it and acknowledge or educate that buyer about what their problem is? What's the psychology behind that today? Yeah, that's a that's a uh, great question, Steve, especially um, when most people are doing it wrong. We should probably look at how to how to actually do it right. And when you think about without getting too deep into the, the whole brain science of all this, we know there are certain parts of the brain that really drive decision making. And to keep this properly simple. Um, we're going to break the brain into two, two categories or two areas. One is the primitive brain and mm -hmm. one is the rational brain. And what the primitive brain is actually where 90% of all decisions start and happen. But yet the, pri the primitive brain doesn't know how to read. It responds to uh, stimuli in one way or the other. It moves toward the stimuli or away from the stimuli. Um, and it sometimes makes illogical decisions. But what the primitive brain is insanely focused on is eliminating any type of pain, threat, or fear with an emphasis on threats. There's a big difference between a pain and a threat. We all live with pain, right? 
chronic pain, physical pain, or emotional pain, and we find ways to deal with it. We all have fears that we've had for years and years, and we're not necessarily gonna overcome all those. But what we do know is that threats always get acted on. Mm-hmm. So knowing that the primitive brain is really focused on making my threats go away, that's really the origin of what my priorities are. And where we get confused is when, we, when salespeople, in most cases, try to sell to the rational brain, yet don't make that deep connection, as you mentioned, at a psychological level. So what is happening is you can propose something that makes sense logically and Everybody had a great meeting and they learned a lot, but they don't take action because you're not able to connect your real impact to your prospect's top priority. And I know that sounds overly simple, but when you actually make that that shift to understanding the real threats your prospects deal with every single day and then frame your value against that, you then have what we call a priority position that actually gets you meetings with people, not just earlier in the process, but has you meeting with the higher level decision makers and helping them fit their priorities. That's really the only way organizations will uh, be successful and avoid commoditization is to do just that. It's really interesting, Brian, how you're linking this brain science and trying to teach companies today in their sales force and just in general growing their revenue to get out of this commoditization. So I'll call that one of the problems in a company today. One of the, in your words, in your research, which I see a little bit, one of your three deadly sins. Can you help our audience understand what are some of those other C's that they need to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So commoditization is probably that, that's the the net result of the other two for that matter. But the other two are uh, compressed selling time and consensus decision making. And, and, and even as leaders, it's almost important to take a step outside the sales world um, to see the impact of, of this. Mm-hmm. The idea of, of compressed selling time is the fact that 70% of the buying journey is done before they invite someone in. And so what, what as, a, as a sales organization, you've missed that prioritization and that planning phase. They're only bringing you in at what we call procurement. So when you think of dealing with procurement, you know what's going to happen next. It's all about driving down the price because when they invite you in, they're inviting two or three of the firms in to talk to them uh, because they think they know what they want. And then their their next step is to how do I drive these folks down to doing what I want them to do? So by this idea of compressed selling time, you've, you've lost that opportunity to have access during prioritization and planning. The other deadly C is consensus decision making. And and I think this is something, Steve, that that came out of the last recession of 08, 09, where decision making teams really grew. And I don't know if it was because of uh, uh, budgets and in making sure they were spending properly or the the integration and interdependency of solutions. But we've seen decision making teams move from one or two people to nearly seven now. And, and as a leader, Steve, I'm sure um, you've gone through the challenges of trying to get seven people to agree on anything. Uh, so the whole idea of consensus decision making is not about fitting the priorities of one or two or three people. How do you make something a priority for the entire organization where all the entire decision making team falls into line saying, yes, this is a priority of ours. At the expense of others, we're going to move forward with you. And I think those are two things from a decision making and or sales perspective that should be considered. Yeah, it's really interesting, Brian. I mean, just consensus and anything, if you try to get seven members of family to agree on what's for dinner or where do you want to go see a movie, it's really hard. So coming back to the angle of the psychology and the technology today, 
Do you have any advice for companies out there? How do you, when you try to get a new prospect, you try to grow your company's revenue, how do you get around or what are best practices to get a company and the people within to more of a consensus instead of just an individual decision making? Yeah, that's that's really that's well done, Steve. Or a good, great question for that matter. The um, the thing to do is to really, first of all, understand the real impact of what you're doing. The the the, the real problem. Not there's two problems. Not just your salespeople tend to talk about intellectual and rational things, which is not where the brain buys. Um, the second part, which is just as problematic, is that people don't understand the real impact of what they're doing, and they end up talking about what they do versus why they're really doing it. So the, the, I, the, the steps we walk through, whether it's just me offering some advice or part of our organization work together, is, is helping flesh out the real impact of, of what an organization does. It's actually very eye-opening because people never really take their impact to the right level and the right depth. Uh, but when they do, they start realizing that what they do for people actually appeals to higher levels within the organization, which is going to be a key uh, to driving consensus decision-making. But once you understand the real impact of what you're doing, and then it's, then you start connecting it to what the organizational priorities are. So while it may not be something that's an individual priority of yours, Steve, in this case, uh, when you look at where the, the board is going to take the organization or where the next one to three years, uh, where the strategic direction of the organization lies, those tend to become their priorities because if they don't hit that, that becomes a threat to everyone involved in the organization. So let's connect your real impact, and we're gonna tie that to not just where your organization is going in the future, it's let's attach your real impact to what happens if they don't get there in the future, because that ends up becoming their priority. That's really good, Brian. You hit on something really interesting to me. You talked about organizational priorities. I have a question for you, but let me frame it. Sure. So I'm sort of a voracious reader, read a lot of what the trends are happening in business. And Alan Murray from Fortune Magazine writes a daily blog. And one of the ones I read recently is he talks about sort of the effects of what's happened in COVID-19 and the rapid change. And I'll use your word earlier, the speed of the change in business. His hypothesis is this. Every company today, every brick and mortar business has essentially become a freight forwarding warehouse, meaning their business model has changed yep. or they're an online store, an online restaurant and food service. So how are organizational priorities changing in this age of acceleration? That's really been in my, my thoughts anyway, that's been really sped up, if you will, by COVID-19. What do you see out there related to this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, in, a, in, in a way I mentioned earlier about finding that higher ground, I think that that's finding a way to survive. You know, one thing about shocks to our system um, is that they can be disruptive or as Friedman in his book, Thank You for Being Late, talks about being dislocative. And mm -hmm. what dislocative means is that the, the change is so disruptive, you can't keep up and you fall behind faster. So I think if you talk to most leaders, you know, they would like to... Um, transition their business and transform it on a pretty nice timeline mm -hmm. where it's uh, easy to budget, easy to forecast, and easy to plan for. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's not how life rolls uh, in life or in business. And we tend to be shocked and disrupted. And the real issue with today is when you look at the COVID impact, I firmly believe we've advanced our world five years. I think you've taken the year 2025 and have slapped it right on top of this year. And 
we're not going to go back from that. So what I, I believe what he was saying is that these business models have been disrupted so quickly that they have to rethink that higher uh, the higher value um, in a way to even survive. So that when you think about what's the real impact of what you do, that's really what matters. For example, uh, what we do doesn't matter to someone. Um, what really matters is that we only work with CEOs whose number one priority is to stay relevant and vital. That kind of flexibility allows us to help our clients through these shocks to the system because we have many come to us and say, I can't avoid this commoditization because there are too many good firms chasing too few opportunities now. I need to find a way to frame our value that keeps me relevant and keeps me uh, uh, viable moving forward. And I think that Alan Murray was referring to just that very thing, that all of a sudden, everything we were doing does not work anymore. Now, what am I going to do about it? And if you get in front of this, if you really understand your real impact on the world, you can then give yourself the flexibility to adjust your model before your world gets disrupted. Brian, you hit a really interesting point for me. You talked about sort of COVID-19 and technology has been disrupted. In other words, five years of technology is being forced upon people in the last six months of this pandemic. And then going back to your reference to Thomas Friedman's book, Thank You for Being Late, there's an interesting interview in there with Astro Teller, the former head of Google X. And in that paradigm, Astro Teller talks about its age of acceleration, that the technology is accelerating so fast. If you imagine to our listeners an upward sloping line that's going off the charts. And to your point, in the last six months, it's done five years worth of technology changes very rapidly. Yet the human brain, back to your earlier postulate, Brian, about the human brain can only absorb so much. So there seems to be this gap out there. What do you see in your clients? What can customers do to address this gap where technology goes so fast, yet humans can only adapt so fast? Any advice for our listeners? <laughs> yeah, we got to find some shortcuts. <laughs> the, uh, but, but I found that book to be uh, so fundamental in, in, because it's one thing to tell people, hey, the world's changing, it's going faster. Yeah, 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 we've heard that before. Right. But I felt that I've always been a fan of Friedman's books all the way back to the Lexus and the Olive Tree, which is the first one I read. And he just does a great job making complex things so simple for simple brains like myself. But one of the things that I felt is fundamental is if you really understand the nature of acceleration in, in the nature of the age we live in. So it's not as, as Teller's graph showed, it's not just the rate of change, but it's the speed of the rate of change. It's accelerating at the same time. And that becomes a real challenge for people. In fact, the story here, knowing that the primitive brain responds to threats more so than gain, is it's not about hugging the curve, Steve. It's really about the pain that's gonna come upon you when you fall off this curve, because it's not forgiving. It moves too fast. You can't catch up later. So while it was somewhat tongue in cheek, we do need to find ways to create shortcuts so we can either get to the curve, but more importantly, how do we ride that curve of change moving forward? And I think CEOs, really, really, really need to think differently and move beyond that old phrase that fortune favors the bold and make it more so, but yet at, at twice the speed. And, and that's probably something I think most leaders aren't ready for is to operate an organization at twice the velocity or twice the speed than what they were doing in the past. Brian, that's, that's really cool. I like what you said there. I want to ref, uh, state it again. You talked about it's not necessarily the rate of change, but the speed of change. In other words, technology is moving so fast today. 
Let me put an elephant in the room that might be out there for many of our listeners today. And that is, look, I'm not a Fortune 500. I'm not the Amazon. I don't have unlimited money out there. But yet smaller, mid-sized companies need to keep up with this speed of change. Any advice to them? What should they think about? What should they begin in terms of planning? How do they keep up in their own paradigm, their own world with this speed of change? Yeah, there, I think there's a couple things, Steve. I, I think that understanding this acceleration of the rate of change is probably the hardest thing to wrap your mind around because it starts questioning things you've done in the past. And so and beyond the fact we need to get past the sunk cost fallacy, right? Mm -hmm. We put so much money into this thing, we can't abandon it. We've got to keep on going, which in a world of accelerations, that's probably the worst advice you could adhere to. Right. Um, the And I think it's going to force us all to look at how we bring partners along. And if we get a chance today, I'd like to talk about some of the decisions I think leaders need to make uh, moving forward in an accelerating age. But one of the things I think they have to do is to look at something like IT, for example, and not look at it as an expense. One thing I've heard many people say, well, we're gonna put, we're gonna freeze expenses, we're gonna freeze this. But you know when, when Steve, when someone says they're gonna freeze something, mm -hmm. what does that really say to the rest of the organization on how they feel about that? If they're gonna put a freeze on something, what are they saying about its importance? They are probably not interested or they're they're very short-sighted. They're not seeing the big picture and the threat to their business, in my opinion. Absolutely. If I'm going to freeze something, it's just not that important to me. But what's interesting to me in a world of accelerations, when you have things accelerating, you know, at twice the speed now, um, IT might be that way to get to the curve and keep you on the curve. So I just think it's kind of ironic that we're talking about freezing things because we freeze what's not important but yet we prioritize something else. And I, I think that, that CEOs really need to um, put the proper priority and emphasis toward those things that give them faster intelligence, better data, and allow them to move more flexibly, more flexibly, is that right? Uh, mm -hmm. In, in a way that, that I have to change my business models. One of my favorite uh, Hemingway quotes is from The Sun Also Rises. And it, was, it said, the, uh, how did you go bankrupt? It said, well, two ways. Uh, first, it was gradually, then suddenly. And I think that's the <laughs> impact on business now where things were right. great until about six months ago. And right. now I'm seeing this, 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 and this. And then all of a sudden I start falling behind faster. And then all of a sudden you're in a point where you can't keep up anymore. And I think that's a real unfortunate situation that these small and medium-sized firms might find themselves in. But right. yet there are, there are people around them that can help them, but they have to rethink how they buy IT. They got to rethink how they're going to staff their sales team. They just have to rethink things because if they don't, I think they're in a world of hurt. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear in the ecosystem. If you were I'm not an Amazon, I can't afford this. But what you're saying to people, advising people is you can't afford not to. You won't necessarily have the IT budget or the CapEx of Amazon, but there's really affordable ways and there's technology that's very digestible at a price point that makes sense for their business problems. Oh, absolutely. Right? In our world, just the, just eliminating the travel expenses since, since March would pay for virtually everything we could do to transform an organization. It's, 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 I, I laugh because it's almost silly that, that people talk about a scarcity of resources, but it's really more than nothing more than a prioritization. I mean, another way to look at this, we believe that acceleration is so much the case that, and sales teams are so unprepared and ill-equipped and the world's changed so much around them that we believe that sales teams are overstaffed by around 40%. Right. 
And I know that's a that's a cold, hard truth of today's world. It's not something I wanted to happen or saw happening, but that's just a current reality. So if, if people are like, well, I don't have money to invest in blank. What if we just looked at what's really happening to you and where money and resources are being freed up to put towards things that matter most to you? That that might be the way to frame this. That's really good, Brian. You've given a lot to the audience today, just, you know, in terms of what's happening in the world today. And, and I'd summarize it and oversimplify it, at least in my words, about how a CEO, how a company stays relevant and vital in today's words. My, my brain is limited in the fact that I can think in threes. Mm-hmm. If you were going to summarize to our audience, you know, what are one or two or three takeaways that a CEO or a company needs to do coming out of this little podcast today? If you could give them three pieces of advice, what would it be? Man, how about a three times three? No, three plus three. Because I've got a couple, if you don't mind, I've got a couple ways no. to, I think, address this. Sure, go ahead. I think I think CEOs have to be, beyond the fact, as long as we can all agree that we need to operate at twice the speed we did in the past. And while none of us really want to do that, <laughs> it's just our current reality. So if someone believes that I need to move faster than before, I think we have to get rid of the sunk cost fallacy. I think we have to learn to be much more flexible in how we think about implementing change on the organization. And I think we have to really, really understand um, what our priority position is. What, and this is back to the infinite, infinite game. Mm-hmm. What is it, what's the real impact of what we're trying to do? I think those are some decent um, uh, guide marks. One thing I do challenge CEOs all the time about simple decisions, because as you mentioned a couple of times, our brains don't like complicated things. In fact, complexity tends to shut us down. So I've always uh, appreciated and have always tried to become a pretty simple communicator. And one thing that, that when it comes to this type of change we're all going through, no one's immune. I really wanna help them think in three simple decisions they have to make. Number one, they have to decide that they wanna compete. And I know that sounds a bit obvious, but but it's really important because if you're choosing to compete in this world, there's no one in their right mind would say, well, I'm not going to change much and I'm going to continue to do things the way I've done. That seems silly, but yet we tend to do it that way. And and I don't know where someone's at in their career. Um, I'd like to tell my kids who are now at college age saying, your dad is yet to peak, right? So I'm still on the upswing, I'd like to think. So, you know, I still want to compete. But I think right. every CEO has to really, really ask him or herself, do they really want to compete? And if the answer to that question is yes, the second decision they have to make is, are they going to accept mediocrity any longer? And, and I look at mediocrity, not just in the talent you have, which is important, but the way you go about procuring things. I mean, to hear people putting freezes on things that are probably the most important and vital things to accelerate their business, but yet we're seeing a freeze on IT. I, I know you just use that as an example. Right. But but I think that's a symptom of accepting mediocrity. And if you're not going to accept mediocrity anymore, I think you're going to look for the guidance of those who could help you create the right kind of decision paths moving forward. Because we don't have all the information we need inside your organization to move you through acceleration. So those are the first two decisions. You got to decide you want to compete. You got to decide you're no longer going to accept mediocrity. And the third decision you have to to come to is you've got to, de- to determine how much of a head start you're gonna spot your competitor? And, and I, I really want you to think about that because if you believe all these things to be true, and we know that delay is the deadliest form of denial, 
the question you have to ask is how much time are you going to spot your competition? Because others are going to take advantage of what's out there, what's readily available, and they're not all easy decisions. I'm not saying that. I will tell you they're not complicated. But who your competition may just choose to make those hard decisions and do what they need to do that's going to give them much more power. I used one simple example, right, of how sales teams are going to improve every single day by getting better by watching game film, right? Because no pro athlete would never say, I'd never watch that. So that's just one simple, silly example. So the question is, you got to determine how much of a head start you're going to spot your competition. And it, I think if you can walk through those three simple decisions, I think it allows you uh, to build that confidence and belief that, yes, you can be relevant. Yes, you can be vital. But we have to go up making the right kind of changes moving forward. It's really good, Brian. And, you know, I'll play back a little bit in my words and maybe one final comment from you. But we've heard so much today about the three deadly C's. And the worst thing that any company, any CEO can do today is to deny, to delay, and to freeze technology spending, saying that the COVID-19, the last six months, this age of acceleration is not affecting their business. It absolutely is. And you've given a couple pragmatic examples about how IT, artificial intelligence, and very affordable technology spend can make a real difference. It's very insightful to me. So thank you for that. And any final comments on sort of my summation there? No, I think your summation is great. I, I think it's, again, it's it's not about how amazing those solutions are for you. It's what price will you pay, Steve, when you don't use that, what's available to you and someone else uses that against you. And I, I think that's from a defensive posturing. Um, I also think that freezing is the worst thing you do because the, you know, let's go back to the primitive brain, you know, you know fight or flight. There's nothing in the middle. And that's, I think, one of my, you know, questions of do you want to compete? You know, I think that's the fight, the fight spirit. So I, I think you're right. I think standing, standing and freezing is the, is the worst thing you can do. I don't think there's any, any acceleration deniers out there that don't see this happening. I do feel that, that many leaders struggle um, to find the right guidance and the right solutions to help them get there. And I think from a leadership perspective, that's something we all can take away and and we all can help our clients with because every leader has these challenges and these threats and concerns and and how each of us are positioning our real impact to those threats, I think, is a real indicator of our viability and, and relevance moving forward. Brian, this is awesome. I want to thank you again for being on our Hug the Curve podcast. You've given our audience just tremendous insights, a lot of things to think about. And in my opinion, a very pragmatic approach to staying current, staying relevant. And as you said, deciding if they want to compete, getting a roadmap how they compete, and not allowing their competition to have a head start. So thank you very much, Brian. Oh, thanks, Steve. This has been great, and I hope to do it again sometime.